Welcome to Create Expectations. I'm Tom Ziggy Kennedy, joined by Dan Life Lozier, brother Matt Carvalho, and Chris Wonderland Palumbo. Today we are diving into the penultimate episode of our Rock Supergroup Challenge, where we present four iconic albums from a single decade in order to build an epic supergroup. The rules of the challenge are simple. We must own it on vinyl. We can't have featured it before. It has to be iconic and someone in the band should be considered best in class. Now, before we jump into the 2010s, a reminder of the incredible, sadly imaginary supergroups we have built to date. Coming in in the 1960s, we have The Haze, featuring Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Rick Dango, Danko, Ringo Starr, that's right, and Garth Hudson. In the 70s, we created band. Witchy Ways, featuring Freddie Mercury, Jimmy Page, Tony Iommi, John Paul Jones, John Bonham, and Stevie Nicks. This is my personal favourite. It's a good one. It is so good. Coming into the 80s with Prince's Cocaine Pool Party, also known as PCP Squared, featuring David Lee Roth, Eddie Van Halen, Malcolm Young, Neil Peart, and Prince, of course. In the 90s, we're still going in the 90s, Lawn Green's Dog and the Captain's Log, if you don't understand the name, read Flea's memoir, featuring Chris Cornell, John Frusciante, Kurt Cobain, Flea, Dave Grohl, and Alanis Morissette. What? What a crazy... What a monster band. <laughs> that's, yeah. that is, that, that's that my might favorite be, right there. Yeah, that might be close that's to my wild. favorite too. And then last episode, the 2000s, the Universal Super Band. Formed by Zune for a marketing campaign. Sp- sponsored by Zune. Sponsored by Zune. Hello from <laughs> Seattle. Featuring Julian Casablancas, Matt Bellamy, Jack White, Chris Wollstenholm, and Travis Barker. Wow. Big bands. Big bands yeah. to follow up. Big bands. Yeah. So if last month's episode featuring the 2000s was a time to ditch our record collections for burnt CDs and Zunes and iPods. I think it's safe to say in the 2010s we've jumped back into the dumpsters to retrieve our collections because the 2010s is all about the vinyl revival. Vinyl Big is time. back. Mm-hmm. And the albums we've chosen from this era, our final supergroup forming episode features Heim, Women in Music Part 3, The Black Keys Brothers, John Mayer, Paradise Valley, and David Bowie, Black Star. <laughs> Two of these four feature in a thousand one albums. I will let our listeners guess which two. Yes, definitely John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to. Uh, this isn't entirely chronological, but I want to kick things off with the start of the 2010s and Matt's pick, which is the Black Keys Brothers. All right, big album, big big album. When this. When this album dropped, I feel like the rest of the rock world just kind of like sat back and listened because this was a monster album. It had monster singles. And really, you look at the production of this album, it was just three guys, three guys that got in the studio and recorded this album. Basically, they just loaded all their gear into one room and it was in the middle of nowhere in Alabama and just started recording. And they really focused on building like the rhythm section, drums and bass, drums and bass. That's how they started every single session and kept that format basically throughout and then overdubbed all the guitars. 
just plain okay. and simple. And then if you look at the production credits and who was involved, like I said, three guys, and then they said it's a Thad Blake for mixing, um, who was a, a like huge, huge like mixing guy. Mixing engineer, get it together, Matt. He's also did another big album that he did was uh, Arctic Monkeys AM. Mm. Oh. So just a little bit of background there. Some of his other work includes his contributions to Al Green, Bonnie Raitt, Crowded House, Sheryl Crow, Fiona Apple, Peter Gabriel, and Tom Waits, just to name a few. He also won two Grammys for his work on Brothers. He, he's, okay. a, he's a monster in the studio. He's amazing. Gets some wicked sounds. Um, but yeah, like, again, you look at the sounds on this album, it really felt more, I felt like it kind of brought uh, blues rock back um, to rock and roll. Big and time. that like where yeah. we had a lot of indie rock in the two like uh, mid to early two thousands, um, and then kind of leading into two thousand nine, this kind of brought the basic roots back to rock and roll. Yeah, it's like it's like you said at, when you started this, Matt. Like when this album came out, like the rock world stopped and just yeah. listened because a lot of the rock that was coming out in the last ten years prior to this didn't sound like very, this. Had, yeah, had a very distinct sound, and then mm-hmm. this came back to like a very roots era. Yeah, blues rock, uh, jam band, and 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 we've talked about this before too, right? Like how much we love small recording, just get yeah. the instruments on tape, play them really loud, play them really well, and. You know, you don't need too much to make magic, and that's that's to me that's what this this album is. Yeah, one hundred percent. This really took me back to a lot of other albums we featured in this supergroup challenge, right? If you think about like simple blues, simple not meaning not hard, but simple as in at concept level, blues rock. Yeah, we had the Stones, we had Zeppelin, we had the White Stripes. Like the, there's this kind of, the, it, it may have been new in 2010 what they were doing, but they were going, they were going, tracing it right back to its roots. And it might seem simple enough, but it's just they nailed it. Like it's it's perfection in terms of blues rock and roll. Yeah, big time. Yeah, it was also like we were saying, indie rock was the scene. Like Mumford and Sons was the forefront of of music at the time, and it was nice to go back to that mm-hmm. now i didn't listen to this album um i listened to the one after right um their their biggest well, yeah, album comes el camino. El camino. yeah yeah they but reloaded then, pretty quick and came back with el camino in 2011 yeah. like right yeah. which is crazy like but when i listen to this again because it's probably been 10 years um i knew most of the songs yeah. and i don't know it definitely featured on guitar hero right some of these songs I don't know. I know. Sure. I think one was on Rocksmith. Oh, maybe and then Rocksmith. There was uh, a, a lot of songs that were featured in television. Oh, probably that's yeah. why. And uh, video knew, games as well. I knew, like, I don't know where I've heard them, but I definitely have never listened to this album front to back until this week. And But I knew, I was like, oh, I recognize this. I recognize this. I recognize this. And it was like, blew me away. Well, yeah. And then the classic, like, Howlin' For You, which is... The main reason I didn't dive into this album was that song on the radio. So Again, much. Cana- Canadian radio killed, killed yeah. it, yeah. killed it, and I was like, I don't care. Like, I, first time I heard it was like, yeah, cool. Next time I was like, okay, I'm done, right? And then, which is nice. Tom said this is the year we switched for vinyl, but this is also the 2010s and everything is the push into streaming, where yeah. music became way more accessible. So, and so instead of having to torrent an album, I could now 
I can now go back and listen to this this whole or going out to buy it, which in 2010 I was pretty uh, broke. I uh, wasn't <laughs> spending my money on on new CDs, albums, yeah. on new albums, or at that time iTunes was selling singles for like 99 cents, right? Yeah. And I'd make Greg Hood. Greg Hood seemed to have disposable income for music, and we'd be like, I'd send him a list, be like, you have to listen to this song. But then we'd pick and choose like two or three songs because you couldn't buy the full mm. album for 15 bucks. Yeah. Right? So there we go. Yeah. What I love about this album too is everything just sounds so like warm and full. Yes. Like it's, it's not it's not a hi-fi album by any means, but it's also not a lo-fi. It's kind of like in, in yeah. a sweet spot right in the middle where if you listen to other rock um, leading up to the 2010s, I do find you're more on that hi-fi end of things because there's a lot of indie um, or like, you know, prog rock of the world that, that was kind of taking over at the time as well. Yeah, you, you, you can tell that the production value is pretty high. Like they were using good mics and they were using good mixers. They were using good kit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were using some good gear. You know, so just like crank your, crank your amps, get the mics nice and tight to the drum kit mm-hmm. and and really let the the instruments shine right and yeah. they're they're really they're exceptional mu- musicians both of them oh yeah, yeah. big time uh Dan Arbach and Patrick on drums like they're they're definitely in in a in a top tier class right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. having the two of them being the majority of the of the musicians on the album like you, you, you can't go wrong with that formula yeah 100% what, what really interested me reading about this album, it shares a similar thread to another album we featured on here, which is um, Fleetwood Mac Rumors, in that the album came from serious tension within the band. Like, mm. they they were at, on the verge of breaking up the year before this came out. There was serious tension between the two of them. Mm. They hadn't spoken to each other in months. Dan released an, a solo project, which he didn't tell Patrick about until it, like, the first Patrick knew about it was when it came out, which obviously would be pretty upsetting oh, as a duo, yeah, as a 100%. duo, right? Um, he wasn't sure whether they were going to continue. Like he didn't know what it meant. He felt kind of humiliated that he'd that he'd found out about it once it was released. And then, and if there were other personal circumstances, divorce, etc., that these yeah. guys were going through that created this this tension. And then they they kind of came together, literally, sort of hugged and. And broke bread and made up, and um, went back into the studio and made this, which is uh, clearly their most impactful work of their career. It's like they won three Grammys with this. Yeah, album. that's crazy. Yeah. Interesting point on the Grammys is that they beat out the Suburbs for wow. Best Alternative Album of the Year, and then Arcade Fire ended up winning Album of the Year. Yeah, mm. that wow, was an interesting is, Grammys year that year. Yeah, very yeah. controversial win. Yeah. When they oh. didn't win their category, but then they won overall. Yeah, exactly. that's really interesting. That I mean, and that in itself, two totally contrasting styles, right? You've got two guys, a team of three in the production, really stripped back blues, rock and roll, and then Arcade Fire, where there's seven members in the band. Yeah, but then yeah. plus all these session musicians that yeah. they got on, right? Like, but it's it's like it's like Chris said, like Arcade Fire was dominating this Mm -hmm. indie rock space, right? Like they're at the forefront of the indie scene in North America and boom, the Black Keys came back with stripped down blues rock, right? Yeah. And I I love that line. I love love the line. Like the the rock world just had to stop and listen and Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. 
You can't beat it. No, <laughs> it no, doesn't matter. It's true. It doesn't matter what direction, how many branches spread out from the rock tree. It mm-hmm. always goes back to its roots. But there's there's enough of a fresh sound there that yes, like for, like for, for me, like a big part of what I consider a top tier album is: does it deliver anything new? Mm. Does it feel fresh? And when someone pulls out something like this, you're like, oh, well, is there anything new? But it, it just feels fresh. It, it did a really good job. Yeah. 100%. And, and it still feels fresh. It yeah. still yeah. feels fresh. I, I got that. It felt Yeah, I listened it to felt that like thir- new, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 13 years later, and I was like, I could still listen to this yeah. front to back, no problem. Yeah. It, yep. I, I was actually really glad that you picked it, Matt, because I, I don't know if I've listened to it in its entirety for 10 or 30, like probably since it came out. Like, oh, fair enough. They're not a, like I, lo- I I enjoy the Black Keys. They're not a band I go back to or like often. So to listen to it in its entirety again and just be reminded how damn good it is was yeah, it was a great pick. Yeah, yeah. I because again I was saying I think in my listening world yeah other bands kind of took up Arcade Fire I listened to a lot more the Arctic Monkeys I listened to a lot more and this one just kind of got stacked down on my list mm. and but this is one that it's like oh i can go back and have those memories and be like or bring me back to that era and it's almost like i'm listening to something new and fresh because it's been so long or i've actually never listened to the album in the entirety of mm. it so i was happy that that this album was thrown into the mix at first i wasn't i really was really pushing for some arctic monkeys to make it um but no as soon as i heard this front to back i was like this is I I know why this is yeah. no easily this, I know this, why it feels like a perfect pick right like yeah, yeah it does it works really well the, uh, I think both of the both of them are candidates for position yes I agree and and the album hits yeah. hits a top tier a mm-hmm. a status I, I, I'd say yep. it's probably one of the picks of the 2010s like the capitals yeah yes. Uh, when, we, when, when when we were like trying to curate uh, curate a bit and like put albums out on the table, I was like, this one has to be in the discussion. So no, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. so again, I was on the fence until I listened to it again, mm. or until I listened to it in its entirety. I knew the singles off of it, but it really took me listening to the whole album to really under understand it. Right? I would never have picked this, mm. but now that I've listened to it, I'd be like, okay, like yes, this makes sense to me, right? Because if you would have showed me Arctic Monkeys and you would have showed me this, I would have taken the Arctic Monkeys because that's what I was more familiar with. Mm. Right? Fair enough. But yeah. I think this this beats it easily. Like I think so. I think so too. Which yeah, is I think so too. which yeah, which is which uh, is why we picked it. Right. I, yes. I, I, <laughs> I, I I might actually like the Arctic Monkeys album better, but for this episode, like yes, this one hundred percent is would be a pick over the Arctic Monkeys. Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Should we dive into the ratings? Yes. Yes. I've got them geared up here. Let's hear it. Uh, pretty, pretty like high, high mid. In, interestingly, I think maybe El Camino kind of oh, yeah. out, outshadowed this album a bit. It may have, but yeah, it's, especially because it's, it's, so it's very surprising. Like seven point six, eighty two out of a hundred, four and a half out of five, B plus B plus three out of five, four out of five, eight out of ten, seven point seven out of ten, four 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 out of five. Interesting. I mean, it's it's not, it definitely isn't rating as high as some of the things we featured in this. Yeah, series. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure but, when this came out, right? Like, because like because like like I said, like, is it delivering anything new? Maybe not, right? And so when this came out, it could have had it been like 
you know, the, the crit in the critics mind, like where, where is this at in music? Mm. But I think mm-hmm. as the album has aged, it's definitely gained, sure. gained yeah. some, some points. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Matt, what would you, what, what, uh, before we jump into some vinyl nerdery, what, what's your pick of the tracks? So for me, it would be a toss up between everlasting light and sinister kid, but I think I that all day, every day, I'm going Everlasting Light. I really love the way that kicks the album. Oh, it's the yeah. best way to start it. It's really bright. I yeah. mean, it's in the name, right? But it's a really bright track. Yeah. I, again, I love it. I, and wish, I love the drum sound on it. Right? I wish. The, what is... I, uh, maybe one of you... Sorry, Chris. Sorry. That's, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I wish I had access to the streaming service when this came out. Mm. Because if I would have heard that song before I heard Helen at You or Helen for You, um, I think it would have dragged me to listen to the rest of the album. Mm. Right? Where I didn't. I only heard the Helen for You. And then I just, over and over again, where if I had access to Spotify, which is later in the 2010s, I think it would have, it would have opened my eyes to, to, uh, to this album in a different way. So, so I'm glad you picked that, Matt. I don't, I don't know if you guys, any of you guys have looked into this. I haven't. But what do you think the sound is in the drum pattern? It's like a... Yeah, I'm not sure. Do you know what I'm with talking you. I've never about? Looked into it. I, I know exactly I what you're talking was about. was listening to it going, what the hell is... I don't, I don't think I don't that's even know a drum kit, but it's like... A, it's like a signature sound in the yeah. drum beat in Everlasting Light. You're, you're going to have to put that in right yeah. now, Matt. I couldn't find out any hard facts about the sound. Sorry, guys. If you're, uh, if you're a listener who works in the industry and knows what it is or is just a super Black Keys nerd, please yep. send us an email explaining it in great detail. Yes. Absolutely. And we'll read it out word for word on the next one. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, what pressing do you have of this? Because I found a really interesting pressing online. So I've got the anniversary edition. I mm-hmm. was an idiot uh, in 2010s, I actually bought this uh, for a friend for as a gift and didn't buy myself a copy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not like you at all. It is not like me. Um, who, who did so, you buy it for? So Mark, did you get it? the you get the oh, two okay. LP? Does he still have edition? it? Yes and yes. Yes okay, and yes. Good. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. So actually, I little... think the anniversary is three LP. Whoa. Okay. This is the ten year anniversary released yeah. in twenty. Yeah. So this is a for the listeners. This is a new little addition. Probably we've we've always talked about this, but making it a little more official. Uh, just inserting some vinyl nerdery at the end of every selection, and I found a really interesting version of the ten year anniversary reissue. In addition to the two or three LP version, they actually released a seven inch version. That so it's nine seven inch records. Mm-hmm. So I presume that every side is one track. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Limited to 7,500 copies. And uh, the pre-ordered version came signed. I'm not sure how many That's awesome. How many of them were pre-ordered, but um, it, so it's, it sounds like a really cool, if you're a big Black Keys fan, that would be a cool yeah. piece to have just, just for the sake of it. But the annoying thing, as often has happened in recent years with, you know, uh, anniversary reissues and special releases and record store day releases. There's 67 copies available on the Discogs marketplace. 65 of them are listed as mint. 
So they are flippers. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like people have wow. just bought it yeah. to flip it, which annoys Annoying. the shit out of me. But if you're really sweet on this album, that would be a very cool version of it to have on vinyl. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the seven inch where you have to. Oh, what a pain. Can you imagine change, changing nine seven inches each song? So May as well just yeah. stand at the turntable. That, that's something great you definitely for a DJ. Have. That's something you have out. Yeah, you maybe you play it once and it's you a put it away. Piece. Yeah, yeah but oh, even that one, the chats one you got me, Tom. I've listened to it once because oh, it's, it's so just, annoying. It's signed. Put it in a shadow box and hang yeah, it on. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, you put that up in a frame. Uh, yeah, with with our other signed chats with stuff. With shine signed chats T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Coming yeah. to a digging spinning gigging episode near you soon. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's jump into our next pick. Uh, and I cannot wait to hear the explanation for this. Let's talk about uh, John Mayer's Paradise Valley. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh boy. Yeah. Let's talk about it, Chris. All right. Um, well, I struggle. Okay, so for the listeners out there, I was the one with a little bit of Carvalho, but mostly me, pushing that the 2010s had to be included yep. in this in this super group. I was like, no. You I, did. Yeah, this yeah. is important if, context. Yeah, if... If you're going to do the, if we're going to do this, you have to include everything up to the current time. So, so for well, for added context, yeah. Tom and I were pushing for the 50s, 2000s to be from the year 2000 yeah. till the year 2023. Oh, yes. So, an al- any album in that time right. span. And that, but but I, we also pushed for the 50s to be. We the also first pushed for decade. the 50s as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And. No, the, uh, yeah, and I think I wanted the fifties because I wanted Chuck Berry. Yeah, you did, you did, Chuck yeah. Berry, yeah. yeah. But I think we said yeah. it was just too much. It was going to be too hard. Yeah, yeah. I just, and yeah, we didn't think that any, we wouldn't be able to do four albums that would fit the criteria. Criteria, right? We, oh, owning the album, yes. And yeah, then yeah. Again, yeah, exactly. So, yes, so I pushed this because a lot of my collection is from the like, like say yeah. two thousand six to to now. Yeah. But when I was <laughs> pushing for this, we hadn't set the rules. <laughs> As much, uh, especially with that iconic, they were they were in discussion, but I mean, yes. I kept reminding you. That <laughs> yes, you did. A ten out of ten album. Yes, but, but also I get your point. I ten, you but really I'll, wanted John Mayer to be in this. No, so but we also put the idea of it needs to be a good al- like an iconic album, and then a, an iconic musician, and mm. and I think. The black at least one of those is true in this album. Yes, and that's that's what I had to settle for. But it was it was painstaking, and I'm not saying I made the right choice. I'm not saying, but for me in my collection, when I I literally took my collection, laid it out, and was like, this is this is the only album that meets most of the criteria. Mm. So that's that's how I I picked it. And believe it or not, it's not even my record. I didn't buy it. It's, it's Lee's. Uh, Lee bought this. To, Lee, to be to be fair, Chris, yeah, I had Lee. to buy three records for this challenge. But yeah, yeah, actually I, four. And, and, and I was gonna buy, and I thought I owned AM. I'm telling, there's I, there's a box of my records that somewhere along between moving three houses, it's I'm missing like a very small collection. I'm missing a Born Ruffians album. I swear I bought AM. I'm missing a Foo Fighters album. That's shoved somewhere, and then when we move out of like when my parents move or Lee's parents move, we're gonna find it like ten years or twenty years in the (laughs) future. Sealed, sealed. Yeah, sealed. Born ruffians might be sealed, but I don't know. Anyway, so 
so I picked this solely because I was like, all right, in my opinion, there's hardly any 10 out of 10 albums in the 2010s to 2023. Um, I struggled with it in like in my personal opinion. What, and what do you like world. about what do you like about this album? Because I don't think anyone's oh. arguing Maya shouldn't be considered it's for a all, super group. Yes, it's all the guitar and the way it's just so simple, it just stands out to me. It also has a very sweet, like wonderful spot in my life. Um where me and Lee were collecting records on the regular. We were always going out and looking for them. And this lived on our turntable for a long time when we lived in Whippy and when we moved back in with our parents for a bit. And it was like that mm. one little spot we can get away from from her parents or my parents. We put on a record and just like hang out in this time in like a spare bedroom off to the side. Chris, so, it's, 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 Chris it's, it's really not fair that you're pulling at our heartstrings. <laughs> yes, that's to convince but, us to get also, this album okay, Still but, blows my mind that, you, that yes. you said you're not a country music fan how many times? And like, yeah, but I'm wrong. 80% of the albums uh, you present are country. <laughs> And, and the, the dog on the back? You're, you're oh, not a man. punk rocker. You're actually an outlaw cowboy. Oh. Yeah, 100%. exactly. I went, like, this should have been the clue. Look at the way he's dressed. It's a, it's a sweet like, cover. That's I think yeah. it's... So he has property in... Is it in Montana? Montana. That looks yeah. like Montana. Yeah. It looks and, like... That's, and do you know what? I actually... When I first started listening to this, Chris, I yep. was like... What like why like I know I know the John Mayer part of why you picked yes. it, but then listening to the album, I was like, why? Right. But then I actually, as I listened to it, this it, the context of Mayer's last ten years, right? He with Born and Raised and Paradise Valley, he was listening to a lot of the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Oh, was he? And I didn't know. All that. of a sudden, discovered he was a deadhead. He had oh. never. Dove into them. He heard a, a he heard uh, the song Althea, which is a famous Grateful Dead song and really famous live from their set list. He dove into their discography and he became a Deadhead. He then released Born and Raised and Paradise Valley, which are yep. heavily influenced by the Dead. You can hear it in everything. And then two years after this was released, he joined Bob Weir in Dead and Company. And oh, has been cool. touring with them since. Well, they've wrapped up now. But so this is actually, in terms of Mayer's discography, this little pocket has a, an important place in his heart. So, which is funny because this is only, like, I'm not a John, this is what, this is the only album of John Mayer's I really kind of enjoy. I love his other hits, but this is the first one I listened to front to back and was like, oh, I, I think I like John Mayer. There's a, this turned me around on it. There's a big but. That was yes. coming after okay. I said that. Yeah, keep going. But he himself has been quoted as saying Paradise Valley, if he had to pick, yep. is his least favourite album from his discography. That's funny. Oh, wow. Which, I can see that too. Which I just, when I read that, I just, oh, I just yes. laughed so hard. I was like, this is the most crisp pick ever. Right? <laughs> Again, it is, it is a very me pick because I'm... I'm connecting it again, and I wanted. Yeah, I thought I think context. John Mayer. Yes, and I think John Mayer deserved to be on that that list. But yeah, the first 
I think Lozier, you posted in the group, was like, I still can't figure out why this album's on here. <laughs> um, and I and I gave you and I gave you a thumbs up because I listened to it again and was like, oh god, I forgot how like the the music the the lyrics. Some of it is very cheesy. It's very bubbly at some points, and I was just like, oh god. But then today I had it on again, and I was outside, and it was sunny and nice, and I was like, oh. And then I had it on. Uh, the other day while me and Lee were making dinner and Lee was like, oh, oh, you put John Mayer on. Right. And we were making dinner together mm. and our kids were kind of interacting. And I was like, it was that that moment again. And I thought, yeah, I don't this album I like. Again, it's not a 10 out of 10 album. He's a 10 out of 10 musician. You listen to the guitar. It's spectacular, especially the way on Wildfire, the way this album starts. I'm a mm. sucker for good starting albums. And this album starts with a really nice guitar intro and I, I, it gets me every time. Yeah. I, I don't hate the album. Mm. I actually think it's a decent album. Yes. I, the thing that always throws me off with jo- a lot of John Mayer stuff is like, as soon as he starts singing, it kind of yes. kills, it kind of kills it for me. So I like, get what you mean. Yeah. I, I didn't love, I, I just, yeah, it's, Something about its style, and, and I kind of said, and the point that I was making in the in Matt's presentation, like, does the album deliver anything new? This is a for sure, like, does not mm. really deliver anything new, yep. and it doesn't really stand the test of time to me. It just sits as like a, a glimpse of John Mayer as to what he's able to put out at that time. And and when I look at John Mayer, I think of like his team. Right, it's never just feels like it's John Mayer putting something out himself. It just it feels like there's a lot of production behind it to get him to a a certain level. And I I think I he's yeah. an amazing guitar player for sure. But I also think that the the point that you and Matt were making of trying to get John Mayer in as one of the best guitarists, like his guitar style is very much not unique. Fair enough. Yeah, and. If you were to say put Stevie Ray Vaughan and John Mayer head to head, who would you pick as better guitarist? Definitely John Mayer. Yeah. Nine <laughs> nine out of ten people would pick Steven, Stevie Ray Vaughan. No, I, 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 yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. But but, but as, in the a, as a guitarist in the twenty tens, I think he's I think he's, he's a, a, a fine. As in, I don't have any problems with him being a guitarist in our twenty tens supergroup. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I don't have that much of a problem, but the, it's just that, you know, we have to remember like the the popular artists out there are the ones who we're putting up, right? And all and a lot of these previous bands from especially the sixties and seventies, they're going to be regarded as the greatest guitarists of all time for a very long time. Yes, mm. and but. I don't think John Mayer is going to have that same that same standing power. I think, so, but I, like I said, but I it's very much it, a glimpse in time. But to say that there aren't other great guitar players out there like John Mayer today, there are. Well, we did. We talked about some Vincent, right? Uh, yeah, we, we yeah. did throw up. Like she would be definitely in the conversation. Technically, technically, a, she might not actually be as good as John because John, technically speaking, mm, is is phenomenal. Yeah. It's insane, Let, but I don't think I don't I don't think his style is unique. You know, no, I don't think he's adding anything to the table. That's the problem that I have I, with John. I wanna, as, but as in the twenty guitars. the concepts of the twenty tens, I think even, even have, that, even that, like I, really? I don't want uh, I don't want to put up 
Like think of all the the great guitarists that we've put up in this in yes. this conversation, right? They all brought a distinct, unique style that was one thousand percent theirs when they came out. Even even in the two thousands, right? But John Mayer, in my opinion, okay. is not <laughs> anything I, new to the table. <laughs> He's just technically good. Yes, Matt is so disgusted <laughs> with what <laughs> you're saying. He is choking. <laughs> a little bit of water. <sighs> Sorry, I was going to say, from a technical standpoint, you don't think he really stands out that much? No, I, that, that's what I'm saying is I think he's an amazing guitar player because technically speaking, I think he's yeah. top tier. Yes. But I don't think he delivers any new style, any new sound, anything rich to the conversation of a great guitar player. I think all he's really bringing is that technical ability. Oh, okay. Okay, I, fair yes, enough. I hear you. I hear you. Yes. I, I think this is a broader discussion, and I want to save it for the start of us talking about the supergroup. And we've we've talking about spoken about this on the chat about the quality of the tens versus the rest of the supergroups. Yeah. Yes. I, I want to just quickly hear from Matt on this album, and then I think we should jump into the ratings because yeah. it's a. This is probably the most divisive pick. Yes. Of this okay. of this decade. Yeah. yeah. So for me, correct me if I'm wrong. He did this album he hadn't done anything new in a while correct and he was kind of living in isolation a little bit he was about uh before i I don't know if it was before this one or before born and raised Mm -hmm. but he hadn't released anything he hadn't toured for about four years yes three yeah and he had 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 throat surgery yes requiring to take time off from singing Mm -hmm. his label or his management whoever wanted him to hit the road again And his view was, which is admirable, his view was, I'm not late enough in my career to hit the road and just play the hits like a, a 100% live act. I want yeah. new music to tour with. Yeah. Which is which is really admirable. Yeah, because what was artist. interesting with John Mayer is when he hit, he became popular really fast. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah and he so was still yeah. pretty young. Like he even says it in um, his live DVD um, live show slash documentary style um, where – you know, when he had success, it was quite early in his career, and <clears throat> and uh, he didn't really go through the same struggle as a lot of singer songwriters do. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyways, getting back to the album. So for me, the album still works. It's not one of my favorites by John Mayer, um, but I do think it still works. It's again, no, oh. he's got he he plays well. He's got good riffs. Um, for me, my my standout on this album would be the song that he's got with Katy Perry. And at the time they were engaged. Um, oh, I didn't know but just wild. The reason wild. I think this album might, you know, kind of rub people the wrong way or not. It's not a go-to for many fans is it's borderline country. So unless you're really into Wait, that genre, like Chris, I don't think like me, like a I'm lot of people are going to dive yeah. into it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think which is why it spoke to me. Hey, that's fair. I, and like I said, Being for me- Being the country fan you are. Yeah. For me, it does work. I do enjoy this album. But for me, so with his first three albums, especially Continuum, I can throw them on any time. I don't have to be in a mood. I'm like, hey, I, I want to listen to John Mayer. Boom, here we go. This one, I got to be in the mood for it. I agree. Yeah. That, it, yeah. That, and for me, that's why it's still, it, it still does work. But I really, I got to be in that, mm. that mindset that, uh, you know, kind of feel for that album. 
Which today was the perfect, I don't know if yes, anyone- Yes, 100%. Today was a perfect day for it. The sun yeah. was out a little bit. It was kind of warm. Oh, yeah, to be in and out. Worked yeah. really well today. Which yeah, so I listened to it again this morning and it, it, it hit. Yeah, um, yeah I threw it on yesterday. Because yeah. the other day I put it on and I was like, oh God, I made a huge, I was having huge regrets. <laughs> no, Thinking, honestly, you almost changed it. it. I don't like, think- Yeah, I almost changed earlier it. Earlier this yeah. week, yeah. Yep. I'm glad and you didn't change it. I stuck to my guns. Me I'm glad too, you didn't change it because I still enjoy the album. It's just yeah. it's n- it out of his discography. It's not my go-to. I agree. And, and again, yeah, I like picked it, it still hits. And again, I picked it for him because mm-hmm. I thought he needed to be f- featured here. Yeah. And this is the one I connect to the most. And it's the only John Mayer I actually have in my collection, which I'd like to change. Um, so before we continue. dive into before we dive into ratings, which no one's going to be blown away, they're pretty middle of the board. Um, the song I think the song I forgot I really liked was uh, Wildfire great song which is oh and, great song uh, and it has Frank Ocean which is always a hit at my house um, uh, on the second side of the album right and then but um, I'm gonna go with Wildfire to start off the album with right at the beginning and then there's the the version with Frank Ocean to start off the second side if I'm not mistaken um no, that's not true at all. Wildfire's the third song on the B-side. Sorry, but it's the first song on the actual album, and I thought that was kind of cool how they, they played off that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was pretty neat. So, Lozier, you want to read jump those in the ratings? Writing. Or do you want me to? Okay, we've got 73 out of 100, yep. 3.5 out of 5, 2.5 yeah. out of 5, Ooh. 4 out of 5, 3.5 out of 5, 3 out of 5, 3 out of 4, 3 out of 4, 3 out of 4, Three half and a five, three out of four. So about 70, yeah. 75%. And again, it doesn't, yeah, none of that shocked me. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't think any of those are wrong. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, me neither. Totally. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But I th- again, the 2010s, way harder than I thought it was going to be. So and, yeah. vinyl nerdery on this one is, is uh, not as interesting as you'd hope. No? It oh. seems like there's only three pressings of this on vinyl. Yeah. All came out in 2010. Yeah. Interestingly, they all came with a CD. I don't know if you still have yours, Chris, but uh, I bought, they I all bought came new. with the CD. So that was really common back then. Mm. So in order to get oh, you to buy the in vinyl, early 2010s. it mm. was you got the CD, yeah. a download code, and a vinyl for 19 bucks, yeah. Yeah. which is why I bought which is why I bought the album. Because, well, again, streaming was was going. I don't. I think we bought this used. So is that like one mistaken. for your home and one for your car? Is that the? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's we the used idea. to have it in the. Do you know what? A hundred percent. Actually, it probably did because mm. Lee's car had a CD deck where you could put like twelve CDs in the in the oh, car. Nice. But when she yeah. got rear-ended, it all, all her CDs got stuck in there. And I guarantee oh. you, this one was probably <laughs> in there. I would have been yeah. so fucking pissed. <clears throat> yeah. So she had some good ones. Yeah. Before we jump into the next one, I just want to put on the record that if Chris ever has a music memoir, the title's going to be Undercover Cowboy. I know. Yeah. It's, I, oh, I, I, I do love country. <laughs> I do, well, it's do not. God damn it, not. I do love country. <laughs> it's no, I, do yeah, not, it's, it's do I do not. not love country, and the last line of the book is, God damn it, I do love country. <laughs> I, I do not love country with the not crossed out. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. Look, and Tom, just for you, look, look, it's in a... It's in a sleeve. It's in a sleeve. Oh, I'm, it. I'm so proud of you. Just you just got to get some yeah, It's because it's Lee's. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not because it's Chris's. No, I've been slowly getting better. Nice. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, let's. Uh, if, you, if you need sleeves, Chris, I can hook you up. Oh, I do. I just have no money. I keep spending Tom, it on records. Tom also shipped apparently 500 outers. It's the way to do it. From Australia. It's the way to do it. I keep entering. Vinyl. There's a Shout out sol- to the Groove Man. There you go. Vinyl Solutions, which is a Canadian company, keeps doing like a thing where it's like, enter to win 500 sleeves. And I, every time I'm just like, I'm not paying. I'm, I'm going to win this one of these days. I'm going to win this. <laughs> Nice. Dude, you gotta bite the bullet eventually. I'll show you. I'll show them all. I'll win this. Yeah. One, one, when, oh, did, <laughs> when one of us gets an ultrasonic cleaner, we will, oh. as a gift to you, we will clean and sleeve your collection. No, I, well, I would love that's to. That's all you, that. Tom. That's all you. Yeah. <laughs> I was roping you Some. into that, Dan. <laughs> that's why I said we. I'll let you, Chris. I'll let you borrow the machine. I'm not doing it for you. Guys, it's going to snow anytime now. All my records are going to be cleaning, cleaning now. Cleaning that's right, yeah. Your patented technique. Yeah. Tom, right. you got to try it. Let's Now uh, that you're here. Yeah, that's true. I do have to. I've got to actually. I probably do need to clean my copy of Let It Be Naked. So oh, yeah. Throw it. I'll just wait for a good snowfall. Dan's triggered. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. What is this garbage? All right, let's let's jump into uh, our next pick, which again there was some back and forth and some uh, some questioning from members about this. But uh, let's talk about Heim Women in Music Part Three. Okay, uh, so that's my pick for this. Um, I know there definitely was a bit of back and forth, and I think at some point when we were really trying to nail down the episode, Haim kind of became a, a mainstay that everyone could kind of agree on. And Days Gone By was the pick that we kind of had settled on, but I didn't, honestly, like when it came time to prepare for the episode and I started listening to it, like that's not the Haim album for me. The mm. album for me is Women in Music Part 3. And the reason for that is honestly, like I didn't start listening to these to this band until two years ago. And I think a large part of that is exactly like what Chris was saying earlier. Like when streaming services kind of dominated how we listened to music back in the early 2010s, I did not hop on Spotify at all. And I have kind of a black hole in music between about 2012 and 2020 where I wasn't streaming at all. And Mm. all the music I was listening to was either through the radio at work or in my car or what Alina was putting on. And Alina had access to Spotify and she was spinning all sorts of new stuff for me, but I wasn't really exploring. And what I was putting on the radio was jazz. So that was kind of like my intro to jazz in that time. So that's really all I was, I was looking to consume and I was doing it on YouTube. I wasn't even doing it on Mm. Spotify. So when I find so when Love I finally it. got Spotify, started listening to a lot of new music, and I love a lot of uh, female singer songwriters, you know, female dominated bands. And when Haim came on, I remember hearing it and going, "Who's this?" And then it was the song that was playing was Gasoline, and uh, yeah, so then I went to the album, and it was like this album bangs from front to back for me. Yeah, um, and. When I started listening to Days Gone By, it didn't have that same effect, and so that's why I asked to, to change it to this album instead of the previous one. I know the first album was like great for them as a band to like really put them out in the spotlight, and they came out with the first album, which was an absolute hit right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But I think this, when this album came out, it was kind of a bit, bit more of a mature sound, 
And actually, people really saw them as a really well-formed, very talented musicians. You know, all three of them are multi-instrumentalists. They can play any instrument in the band. Which is so cool. Mm, And they often do, right? So, like, apparently their live shows, like, they're jumping from instrument to instrument. They can all sing, right? And so, for me, it's like, I understand that maybe they're not, like, the absolute best at, at an instrument. But it's kind of the same conversation as a, a John Paul Jones, right? Like, mm. you can throw any can one, I bring these, to the table? any yeah. one of them into the band because they sing very well, they play guitar very well, they play bass very well, they can play drums, they can play anything. The, the bit that you said there that really stuck out to me, Dan, I actually wrote it in my notes, is I, I agree with you. I think this is a more mature offering from them. And I, 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 I love... Their, that first album, uh, it's it's perfect pop rock, but it's yes. maybe too perfect. It's maybe yeah. too polished, and it's a little it's a little too on the pop side too, right? Yeah, well, this album has a couple songs that are definitely more pop music than rock, but the songs that are rock and roll are like really good rock and roll music. I think they took more risks with this album. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. you know that's that's a testament to them being comfortable and mature and confident in what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. I love, the one thing I really do love about them is that uh, they can play just about anything in, in their lives. So I've seen them live. I saw them when they came to Toronto, I think it was 2013 or 14 when the their first album dropped. And yeah, um, yeah they, they would switch up on stage just for different songs. It was so cool. It's amazing. That's really fun. Cool. Yeah, it's That's so really cool. So, okay, this is my... Lee supposedly told me we she tried to show me these these fine ladies um, two years ago, and I just ignored her completely because I was playing <laughs> playing the one album. But that that happens a lot with um, when Lee's trying to show me new music because she gets so fixated happens, on like happens with us too. Yeah, with like yeah. one songs, and then I just can't get out like. But I do it to her. Like if she said she swear if she hears Adam Newling's Blackbird one more time in this house, like oh, I'm gonna get murdered. You love that guy. <laughs> yeah, big fan of that guy. Um, but anyway, so it, it goes both ways. It's not. It's not just me. So anyway, um, so when this came on, she's like, I, I showed you these guys ages ago, and that was through um, a friend of ours, Danielle, who showed who showed Lee and, and I was like, Oh, I kind of like this album. She's like, really, really? You like this album? She's like, because two years ago you said it was trash. Right. Like, and I was like, I'm trying to grow as a person, right? Like I'm trying to grow as a musical person. Right. Uh, but I, it took me the whole album. I like, cause I was doing a live text as I was listening and I was texting you guys. And then you're like, switch the album on me. And I was like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, I just, I just feel like I understood that album, so now I have to to restart. So restarting with this one, I was very hesitant. Um, but no, I think if I had to pick between the two, I liked Lozier. What was the first one called? I'm sorry, I'm days, days are gone. Days gone by. Days gone days by. Days are gone. Days are gone. Days are gone. Days are gone. Spoke to me, but it, because it was pop, a little more popular. This one, um, I didn't like Los Angeles off the bat. But that was because I went in with a negative mindset. And then as the album went, I did what I think this one is deeper. I said it was missing something. And that's the only reason I said that was I didn't get far enough into the album. And I was like, no, this album isn't missing something. It's building. It's building up. And I I really liked it to the point when the bonus track comes on. 
because I now I'm make in sure it. the 3 a.m. Mm. The uh, you know the bonus 3 a.m. at the end. I don't know if that's a bonus track. Yes, I believe um, it is because there's 3 3 a.m. and then there's 3 a.m. featuring Thundercat. Yeah. Um, that I was like, I didn't want the album to end. I knew it was because I checked. I was like, oh, Ooh. okay, now we're into the bonus tracks, and I was like, oh, and I, and I started going back and and listening to other songs and. Very rarely I do I do that right as the album ends. Mm. I went, I start. I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 I'm not done yet. I want to go listen again. I want to go hear the difference between these two songs, or I want to hear this. And so, yeah, a big yeah, fan. The, the the bonus track with Taylor Swift, yes, oh. like doing gasoline together, Celine, banger. That's cool. such a I, good I, song. Yeah. It's amazing, man. It's such a good song. They've collaborated yeah, on Taylor um, Swift on lyrics. They've collaborated on on uh, one of Taylor Swift's albums as well. Oh, yeah, you're saying they're like friends. Oh, they're, they're, yeah, they're real tight. They're best friends, yeah. 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 Oh no, cool. uh, is it fo- it's with folklore or evermore? It's maybe, uh, evermore, on. I think. No, folklore. Yeah. Sorry, folklore. The song you're looking for is "Nobody, No Crime," which appears on Taylor Swift's album "Evermore." Chris, before we jump into the ratings, yeah, please leave the room and go and apologize to your wife. Yeah. I will when we're done. I've she I was Chris, 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 I've, I've, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing with Alina. Yeah. I got super into Phoebe Bridgers in 2020 and she's like, I showed you her. And I was like, No, you no, you didn't. What are you talking about? Like yeah. I just found her on YouTube. What are you talking about? Yeah, I discovered her. I just yeah. it happened. And she it, she's hammering that. She ha- she hammers that on me because I'm a huge Phoebe Bridgers fan now and uh yeah, I you know, think it goes both ways. And yeah. when you're in a relationship that long, like yeah, it, goes, it goes both women, ways. Yeah. Women listen way better than, than men. That's, that's just a fact. Well, I remember, uh, I think I've told you guys this before, there's some TikTok band that does like uh, hard rock and heavy metal covers and they're huge on TikTok and I presume touring, etc. And my wife was showing me some of their clips and I was like, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, Dio, Metallica. I was like... I've I, this is what I listen to all the time, and you tell me to turn it off. <laughs> she was like, "This one's my favorite." I was like, "That's Dio." I, I, how many Dio records have you told me to take off the turntable? <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. So yeah, we've all wow. been there. Yeah, big fan. Love it. The right, music it brings us uh, together and separates us completely. <laughs> uh, let's jump into the ratings. Okay, so this has extremely favorable reviews. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You can see it. Eight, eight point two out of ten. Eighty nine out of a hundred. Four and a half out of five. A minus. Four five out of five stars. Four out of five stars. Eight point six out of ten. Pitchfork is the worst. Just give it a nine. Four Just out give of five, it a four nine. Out of five. Yeah, well, they they actually chose it as their album of the year that year. Oh, that I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, eight point really six surprised. is a very high rating. Yeah. Oh God, I hate. Yeah. yeah. Pitchfork either sponsored it was, us. It was or nominated. Get out. Dear Pitchfork, you are the celery of ratings. Be ice cream or be nothing. Zero stars. It was nominated <laughs> for album of the year at the Grammys too. Like, yeah. this is, it's a big album. Yeah, it's, I could see it. Yeah, though. it's yeah. It, it really like I think it really set set the bar for them right where it's like okay you came out with that first album it was an absolute hit the second one kind of gets lost even though it's it's pretty good it is good and it just gets lost this, between the two yeah this came out i was like okay this this is the band that they truly are yeah. this is what we expect moving forward they're due for then a new album your, too Ooh. 
Or, yeah, I was going to say, is there anything been, new out? Well, no, not singles? at the moment. I don't think no. anyway. Yeah, no. no. You know what okay. I like about them too is they collaborate really well. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard their song that they did with Calvin Harris. It's oh. a fucking banger. Pro- is it? it? Check it. No. It's And it's really cool because I think Cal- Calvin Harris does a really good job collaborating with other artists too because he tends... He does. Yeah, he, he does. tends yeah. to suit uh, whoever he's working with. That's like... He mixes his style and their styles together really, really well and creates something really special. And that their song that they did together in particular, absolute banger. Like, uh, go like after this episode, go listen yeah, to it. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll yeah. really enjoy it. Can we, uh, in post, can we clip Matt saying it's a fucking banger and just use yeah. that as an insert every now and then? Because <laughs> yeah. I yep. love that. <laughs> Clip, and then we could say, then we could say something that's like, clip it, and then it'll just be Matt going, "It's a fucking banger," and I'll me going, "I hate cunt, I hate country." But also, I love country. But I love country. <laughs> I love uh, my wife. Matt, what's your, what's your, sorry, Dan, what's your pressing of this? It's just a new, nothing special, off the shelf. Because what really I found really interesting digging into this one is, they all have. Crazy resale value. Like they, there's like oh, ten different yeah. variants of this. Oh. They all like are on market uh, on Discogs Marketplace for a lot more than what you'd pay for a new record. And this is only what three years old. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the first, I think it was the first version that they released actually was released through Urban Outfitters and limited to four thousand copies. The highest sold on Discogs for that version is $274. Yeah, that doesn't surprise Jeez. me. Wow. Which is just like for something that was that's newly released seems crazy. Yeah. That does. Yeah, but the band the band has big fan appeal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. yeah. They do some pretty cool following. pressings too. Yeah. Yeah, this was a translucent yellow, I think. Which I mean, are are colored vinyl and translucent vinyl even a novelty anymore they feel like they're the stand like black feels like black is the novelty now yeah no kidding yeah yeah well yeah I, yeah everything i get lately has been colored or pitched, colored yeah or splatter or you know it's hard to get just black I, I don't know if you guys have checked into their early releases off of um their first album but uh for my song five they released um i think it was a 10 inch single and it's of um the youngest sister uh i, I can't her name is escaping me at the moment i apologize her name is Alana. But uh, it's a cutout of her in uh, like a bomber jacket. And uh, it's basically her shape as the record. It's really cool. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Dan, I don't know. Uh, you may have said it without saying Song? it explicitly. Yeah. What's it's, your It's what's gasoline. Your it's gasoline. Gasoline yeah, featuring yeah. Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. It's yeah. such a tune. Do you know what? It took me back to the 90s immediately. Yep. It just well, feels like a really good 90s tune. Well, That's interesting. I, 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 don't, some, I don't know if I get that same vibe. I got some Cheryl Crow you said, vibes yeah, from this Chris, album. I know you said Cheryl Crow for a different song, but I got yeah. Cheryl Crow from Gasoline. I could see it. I got Cheryl Crow leaning in through a couple of them. And, man, um, the Fleetwood Mac vibes are strong on this album. Always happen oh, yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah, with this band for yeah. sure. Oh, I can't remember the song. Yeah, especially Tom, Lean Into You. Was it lean, lean, into lean into you? It, it felt like it feels like a Fleetwood Mac song when yeah. it starts. Or sorry, yeah. leaning leaning on you. Sorry, leaning. My mistake. Leaning on you. 
I can't remember, but as soon as it came on, me and Lee started talking. It was like, Lee. I've been down do is the one you said, and that's that's I a very strong Cheryl Crow vibes. Yeah. I was like, Lee, who does this sounds like um and I went, ah, and she's like Cheryl Crow. I was like, yep. yes. Big time. Yeah. I, I really it was enjoyed cool. I uh, like it though. But it didn't seem a ripoff. It seemed like Cheryl Crow could jump on and like support the lyrics, mm-hmm. and it would have been like they need to team up to do that song. Yeah, it feels, really it feels cool. they, they, they did a fresh. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's funny. It's called Women in Music, and there's a yeah. lot of inspiration from a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of female artists on this band. So I'm sure there's maybe something about that. It's just obviously a, a, a guess and an assumption. Homage. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. The um, man from the magazine's got really interesting lyrics, if you actually read those while you're listening to the song. Like some of the anecdotes from the way that they've been uh, spoken to uh, by, you know, industry people or, you know, one of the first line is around someone asking if the bassist makes the same facial expressions that she makes when she's playing in bed. Like Uh, just disgusting from someone who's supposed to be a professional. And then a line about the guitarist going to a music store and being handed like a beginner's guitar when she was trying to shop for guitars. Like just just outrageous stuff that, that these people have to go through. Women have to go through. Yeah. yeah, yeah or exactly. people who identify as women have to go through. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, or, especially we, in the music, yeah. Should we jump into our final? It feels like we've been ripping through this, but should we jump into our final We're good. We're good. album? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. All right, so. Excited for this one. <laughs> the 2010s, we had, it feels, this feels like a throwback, really, talking about Bowie in the 2010s, but. Do you know what? It. I I had it in my mind that we needed Bowie in the supergroup. I couldn't think of I actually couldn't think of another single album that I wanted to include in this episode. Uh, aside from a tool album, which I just didn't think fit for this series. So yeah. uh why not? Let's bring David Bowie back in and try and get him into the supergroup. Like f- yeah. fifty years after his career started, <laughs> so 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 bad. Yeah, but a, a guy a guy that could have been inserted in a few different decades, in almost 100%. any of the decades. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so Bev Bev made a very in the seventies. She's like, "What about Bowie?" And I was like, "I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. Just you so, wait. Just you wait. Just you Bev. wait." So, mom, here it's for you. Yeah. I don't know if you. I don't know. My mom's a huge Bowie fan. So, Bev, if you haven't listened to this album. Now, now is the chance so to get back in. It's you know? about the criteria. It's, yes, I, 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 I don't know if we if we're gonna do a leftovers episode. We should. Yeah, sure, that we was should. that was the kind like the leftovers. That you were but Bowie we're could have been this. in the leftovers. Yes. He would have absolutely. He would have been in that discussion for sure. But let's yes. talk about is is he best in class? Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Is this an iconic album? I will lay out a bunch of reasons why this is a yes. It, it is in, it's in a thousand and one albums to start with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is your best in class? Do you have it in collection? Have you featured it before? We've only featured one other Bowie album as far as I could remember, which was Heroes. Yep. Yes. But just to, I, I just want to paint a picture of this time in Bowie's life, late, late, late in Bowie's life, sadly. This is his 26th studio album. Insane. Wow. Released in 2016. It wow. was recorded in secret while he was suffering at, from and undergoing treatment for liver cancer. That's insane. He had been battling this for six months at the time that recording started. He mm. would often show up to recording sessions fresh from chemo. Yeah. He well, didn't find out that the cancer was terminal until three months before it was released. 
It was released two days before his death. That's Which is insane. insane. Holy shit, man. This is yeah. an artist who has a legacy of 26 studio albums, 25 before this, that has touched every decade that he has been performing and producing music. He like he has featured in every single decade prominently. Mm-hmm. An iconic plus, artist for multiple generations. Plus he has he has his hands on a ton of iconic albums. Uh, 100%. Absolutely. And then yeah. you think about that context and think about an artist making what they probably they hope is not but think might be their last Artistic statement. Yeah. Yep. Mag- magnum opus. Like yeah. it, it's, it, you can't actually comprehend what was going through his head and obviously the themes in the album are quite dark and tackle Very dark. mortality, mm-hmm. like head on as he was in his cancer battle. But what I found really interesting to kind of balance that is he didn't want it to be his final work. Once it was released, he had already spoken to his producer that he had he had demos for its follow up. Oh, so he oh, was man. he was he was wow. still tapping the the muse, right? But just uh, receiving this in the context that he died 2 days after it was released is just mind blowing. Like mind blowing, earth shattering, yep. yeah. emotionally like just really moving. And then on top of that, he didn't just release like a, a best of or a standard rock and roll album. Like he oh, no. pushes the boundaries mm-hmm. enormously. It took me, I would say, until my fourth listen of this album to say, I don't just appreciate this, I actually like it. Yeah. Mm. Because it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's challenging and it's it's very dark, but it's also be- a beautiful album. It's, it's, it's absolutely so beautiful. Yeah. I... I listened to it when it, I think just shortly after it came out, and I think I was a little bit too passive mm. when I listened to it because I feel like I can listen to any, any Bowie and I'm going to like it, and I didn't I didn't hate it when it first came out, but when I had to listen to it again with intention for this episode, man, honestly, this is, this is a masterpiece. Is yeah. this his greatest work? I don't, mm. I, in terms in terms of like his greatest work, I don't, I don't think so because he has set, so many bars yeah, he really mm-hmm. has that it's yeah. like at this point you can't really talk about any one particular album like he has a body of work that is absolute god tier 26 and, albums and he yeah. and he finished it with a masterpiece and yes that's a great way to put it. he he brought on like epic session musicians yeah. to, to accompany him on this album and it it's 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 so distinctly bowie but it's also so unique for yes. anything. Like it is, dude. Like this is an amazing album. This art, is art rock, a new jazz to your like, pick. Yeah. Like it's it's interesting too it. because you know came out in 2016. Again, still fits the time perfectly. Like yeah. he, he he's yes. just he's timeless, right? He's yeah. timeless. Yeah. He's he's a kind of artist that like. He, it, ev- he never follows. He's always setting the tone. Mm-hmm. He's always setting the bar. Everyone follows him, man. Yeah. You just this- he, and, and it's about and like everything he did, fashion, the the way he approached music, yeah. just his taste in things. You know, like, yeah. like he had his hand in so many different bands being successful because I, it, yeah, even in as in the a same way that like a Rick Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin talks about like 
it's people hire him because he has taste. Yeah. Yeah. Not because he has perfect pitch or he's a great musician. He just knows what's cool. He knows what works. And that's David Bowie's in that same category. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And again, I'm like with you, Lozier. When it first came out, I don't think I appreciated it. I wasn't in the mindset to listen to it. And when, when it came onto this, this list, I was, I had no idea kind of what to expect because it'd been so long since yeah. I heard Black Star. And the only song I would have known would have been the, the single off mm-hmm. of it. And I, I think it was by the second song halfway through, I was like, no, I like this. This is, this is going to be in heavy rotation, for, especially over the winter months. I can see this. Oh, but be careful yeah. listening to this in the winter. Well, yeah. you remember, not, not a good time to listen to it. No, but it's remember so, how me and Lo, no, remember me and Lozzie lean, lean into the we lean into me and Lozzie. Yeah, yeah, me and her, me and him lean into it, uh, right? Um, and it's definitely going to be going to be there. And I, because again, I was on the fence on this one. I was like, we should have saved, but Bowie has moments like, well, not moments in time. Every moment in time, there's a, a Bowie, but he's and timeless. This, so yes, he's yeah. yeah, and and he could have been. This could have been released this year. It could have been released twenty years ago. Yep, it's crazy how it could have. Like, mm-hmm. It could fit anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, ah, it's yeah, it's timeless. And again, I don't know. He's there's something special there. But just it's, to be happy with this coming out, knowing by the time it came out, knowing like he's been told that it's terminal. Yep, three months before it came out. So knowing. That yes, this is your final piece of work, Man. and 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 having the confidence to release it, mm-hmm. like yeah. you don't, your legacy is set. He didn't need another no. album. No, but, definitely not. Yeah, but it's but he's an artist. He's yeah, it's he, just well, he's, I, he's beyond. He's transcended. What he's, it's like Prince. He's transcended yeah. that that artistry. Yeah. He's he's all he's encompassing. An icon, right? he's yes, an icon. he's an icon. Yeah. Let's talk about the packaging yeah. because it's 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 part of. Yeah, let's see. So this is stunning, this this art. So it's die-cut, matte black. Beautiful. It has the die-cut star, which looks onto a pure black vinyl and label. Nice. That's cool. Big fan of the black labels. The typography is Bowie spelled out in stars. Which is so cool. Which is really cool. B-O-W-I-E. It's matte black on the back. The vinyl is in this. Clear plastic, hard sleeve. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. The, the Again, he's an artist. This is the only image of him on... It's the first ever Bowie album that didn't have an image of him on the cover. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you make from that, given that it's his last. Oh, like, maybe. it's about the music. It's not about the icon. Okay. Like, there's, there's got to be some sort of symbolism. Well, I think, I think, you know, given that this, this star was a symbol in his entire career... Mm. Yeah, you know, especially Ziggy Stardust. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. He he's, he's going back to the stars, you know? Like, yeah. There's a 12-page booklet, which is a lyric oh, booklet, which nice. has this, they call it the blind prophet, is what people have called this imagery of him. Um, and then you won't be able to see this, but if you hold this up to the light, if, if there's light behind it, stars shine through the dark. Oh, that's cool. That's oh, that's cool. cool. Wow, that's a it's, hell of a... See, that's that's what vinyl's about. That's vinyl. None of, yeah. none of this crappy yeah. crappy cardboard from old cereal boxes that yeah. I've been getting getting lately. So like the, it, let's that's go. A, as a it it itself is a piece of art, just a really yes. cool yeah. thing to have in your collection. So yeah, yeah. I I bought this for 
this episode, but I'm I'm having listened to it now for a long time. I'm really glad to have it in my collection, just given who Bowie is as an artist. I added it to my list last nice. like yeah. this week. Same. I was like, God. And I think we saw it at Play the Record, if I'm not mistaken. We did. Um, yeah. And Pandemonium yeah. had it as well. Yeah. Do you, anyone remember the price? I think it was 45 bucks. That's not bad for, if as long as it looks like that's, the one. I, Tom I'm, going to, I'm going to buy that if that's not <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was 45 bucks. Here's a, yeah. here's a great bit of trivia about the vinyl. Bowie was the best-selling vinyl artist of 2016 in the UK. Wow. That's not surprising. That's, that's cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. cool. And he had five albums in the top 30 that year, huh. including Black Star as the number one vinyl well, album he, of the year. Well, he died, right? He died in 2016, so yeah, people yeah. go back through his discography. But Black Star was number one. Yeah. Oh, So oh, people good. still okay. bought Black Star more than anything wow. else. Awesome. It sold awesome. twice as many copies as the previous year's winner at Dell's 2025. Nice. Oh. Wow. Wow. In vinyl sales. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. In yeah. vinyl sales. Let's, let's talk about the ratings. Okay, I, I, this has exceptional reviews. Yeah, but 8. it's point, probably, yeah. 8.4 out of 10, 87.9 out of 100, 5 out of 5, A minus, 5 out of 5, A minus, 4 out of 5, 4 out of 5, 4 out of 5, 8.5 out of 10 by Pitchfork, very high rating, 4 out of 5, 7 Chris out of 10. Face. Spin, spin magazine, Jesus. Yeah, so I, it's, it hit. Yeah, I would say oh, this hit. might be up for, for some of his best work. Yeah, it would yeah, be I in contention so. to comfortably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think Maybe as, as time as time goes on, it, people will consider this as just as iconic as say Ziggy. I would have loved to hear what yeah. he already had in the I bank. Think Z, I think you have to give it Ziggy Stardust as his best work. He, I, I wonder if we'll ever see them. He had five demos. Yeah. He had five demos for the follow up. Oh man, I would done. love to hear them. Crazy. I'm sure they're going to release them. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Oh wait, what's this toy? What do you mean? It was released in 2021. So uh, maybe that's something we can dive right, into yeah. and have and have a little look at. So yeah, because there's a bunch. There's a bunch that has been released in the last two years from the 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 Bowie uh, estate, if you will. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something <laughs> we uh, we need to to dive into a little bit. Mm-hmm. Before we uh, jump into our final supergroup, um, I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought. For me, Lazarus is the standout. I mean, they're all standouts, but. Lazarus spoke to me the most just purely for the literal look at me, I'm in heaven. Like just just an eerie sort of listening to that, knowing. I'm going to echo that sentiment. I I don't know. Yeah, just that's, for a, the, that's a dark song. Yeah. It is. For, for the title and just for it being so Bowie, I love Tis a Pity, She's a Whore. Oh, I love I that. Don't know. That it, would be my second choice. Song. Yeah. yeah, I thought I that was just, a came on, I was I'm like, with Chris. oh, this is, this is so Bowie, it's perfect. I'm with yeah. Chris. When yeah. that song came on, like Black yeah. Star, yeah. it was like three songs total. Yes. Yes, it is. It definitely, it, it, I had to keep it was originally which I kinda, two songs. Did, it was originally yeah, yeah. two I wish, songs. I wish it had like a part one and two that you could two. like mm-hmm. start at if you mm-hmm. wanted to. Yeah, yeah, but that makes when sense. Yeah. Pizzi, when Tis a Pity, She's a Whore comes on, I was like, oh, this, this is dying. Mm. I, I liked it, yeah. And yeah. also kind of prophetic in um, Girl Loves Me, I think it's called. There's a lyric, where the fuck did Monday go? Bowie, yes. Bowie died on a Sunday. Whoa. Um, like, yeah, it's so just all weird, this man. little, obviously... Um, other people are applying that, that yeah. symbolism, but there's just so many layers to this album. 
I, yeah. Really, it's, really, yeah. Um, I'm so glad we could get Bowie into the main thing, not as a leftover. Yeah. He yes. does not deserve to be a leftover. We would no. have had to hang our heads in shame. Well, and also, I think we knew this was, like, okay, for the listeners out there, we, we have a map. We had a, like, <laughs> a, we, uh, it's a Google Doc, but it's a map of what we wanted this to sort of look like. And if this album didn't speak to us in this way, he would have probably been slotted in somewhere else. And I think that's that's important yeah. to kind of he would to have keep had in to. mind, right? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, we did a little bit of research before we put this thing together. Lots of arguing, I would like to say. Okay. Yeah. We, Constructive it, dialogue. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. arguing in the best dialogue. way. Yeah. Yeah. Arguing in the best way. I fucking all right. hate all of you because you're all wrong. But uh, <laughs> fuck you. You're putting John Mayer in this band. I <laughs> uh, just, I just still have so much joy in the moment that I read Mayer saying this is his least favorite album of his. Oh, that makes me so happy and mad at the same time because again, it's, it's my favorite of his. So it's oh, yeah. just you got to jump on continuum, Chris. What does that I say? think. I think we're coming to the conclusion I have horrible taste in music. <laughs> so no one should take anything I say seriously. No, I, so, I actually don't think that at all, Chris. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. I think you, no, I your, your taste in music is unapologetically subjective. Yeah. Yes. That's yes, actually yeah, yeah. pretty accurate. I also like you're just like there's no there's no I appreciate this for the objective value that this brings. It's like yeah. either I like it in the context that I'm listening to it or, or I, I don't. don't. Yeah, that's very me. Yeah, yeah but that's my whole I life. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That's my that. whole life. It's I hate everything or I love everything. There's nothing in between, which is one hundred percent. Very yeah. And that's a why crazy way you, to live your life, and I've been trying to be better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's build our last decade supergroup. All yeah. right, this is this one's hard because a lot of people do the same things, but uh, I will throw out suggestions of who should be placed in each category, like all of the. Candidates, yeah, and then we can talk about them. So, for vocals, it would be Dan from Black Keys. I think it would be all of the all of Heim, but maybe the most prominent would be Danielle. Yep, and then John Mayer, but I think he'd probably be more considered for guitar. Let's let's cut to the chase. David Bowie is the vocalist. Yeah, is he the vocalist or is he the wild card? No, no, I think he needs to be the front instrumentalist. Okay, all right, yeah. Bowie. Done. I'm going to put it in the table. Bowie, yeah. Lead guitar. Which I'm trying to load the table because I like to see Lead it. guitar, lead guitar are there any arguments against it being Mayer? I don't think so. I think it has to be him. Yeah. It's got to be John Mayer. Okay. Yeah. Rhythm guitar. It's going to be Dan. Yeah. Or Dan, I think. I, I would say Dan or Danielle. I, Yes, that's yeah, what I mean. So it's, yeah. Dan, it's Dan or Dan. Dan, or Dan. I yeah. say it's got to be Dan Auerbach. Yeah. Because I think Danielle Haim should be put into the wild card spot. I totally agree with that. Because she she offers vocals, she can play anything. She can, yeah, she can play yeah, anything. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Chris? I'm frozen, but yes. Okay, Dan. There we go. Yeah, Dan I agree. Auerbach. Bach. Uh, bass. This is going to, well, it's not going to be, it's going to be someone from Heim because there's yeah, no yeah. other option. That's got to be Esty. Yeah. I, I would put Esty Heim. Honestly, I think, I think her, her bass guitar is actually really great. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah. They're all, they're all highly professional musicians who've been playing since they were kids. Like, I talked about this earlier in the episode. Uh, the point I want to make about this, I think it's our weakest super group, regardless with what we end up with. And 
outside of Bowie, I'm not going to advocate for any of these people to be in the final group, and maybe 100%. maybe not even Bowie. I so I'm, I I'm just be... just being completely transparent with our listeners, which is also why we're not making giant arguments for this. I would just have been if everyone here was just like, hey, you just guys want to put Bowie on his own, and the super group is just. It's Bowie. just Bowie. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, I'm, down. It's a cop out. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. It's a cop-out. But yes, I, I agree. Like, yeah, Bowie's the only one who put out it, like, it is, is, uh, yeah. is in the realm of everyone else, which is why I pushed so hard for the 2010s. But the second we started jumping into the 2010s, I was like, you, you, you can't compare. Now, I don't know if that's because we're missing... There's too much music and the whole thing's saturated and we're missing some great artists and some great... We definitely have artists, there's no doubt. The, the, the thing is, is that, is that I, I don't, don't know, like... Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with you guys that this is actually that weak of a band because everyone oh, I, in this yeah. band... I, I just said it was is, our weakest. No, I, yes. I, no but I, I wouldn't say that any other of the guitarists or bass drummers or, or sorry, drummers or bassists are that much better than who we're putting up here. But I think a large part of the issue that we're going to face when we do the final supergroup is how much context and time yes. has spanned between yeah. the yeah. 60s and now. Like, it's, it's so easy for us to say all these hitters in the 60s are the best yeah. because over the, yeah, last right. 60, over the last 60 years, we've consistently agreed that they are the best. Oh, it's objective, yeah. right? Whereas with these artists, it's like they've only been around for 10 years. Let's give them sixty years of context and those totally. albums six and those albums sixty years of them being top tier albums for people to be like, no, like the Ham Sisters are some of the best musicians that came out of the twenty tens. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's or the one of the best guitarists. Like Dan Auerbach and Patrick Carney had one of the best bands for a five year span. Like, yeah, yeah. So then, you're saying we got to come back and do this in sixty years? Uh, yeah, or they lost a time. Yeah, interesting. Okay, no, I think it's I like an ex- it. I think it's an excellent point. I just yeah. wanted to get that out there. We've had this discussion in the chat. Just wanted to get it out there on the pod as well. Uh, let's talk about the drummer. I've penciled someone in, but I want to hear what people have to think. Patrick Carney. It's Patrick. Patrick, right? Yeah. I, I actually think he's an ex. Like he's a yeah. great drummer. You know, we he talked really about uh, Meg White being a deceptively good drummer. I think this yep. is in the same sort of. Yep. Wheelhouse. I would agree. I, I don't yeah, know he, if it's deceptive. He just is you unique. Like the drums are so unique on that album. Mm-hmm. He just plays the beats. Me. He plays the beats you don't expect to hear. Yes. Yes. And yeah. that's, that's and this is the same point I made with Ringo. Like yeah. he <laughs> creates he creates drum tone. He creates drum style. He's not just playing a Stop standard four four rock and Ringo. roll. Yeah, we get it. You like Ringo. Okay. No, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like all the other drummers of that time. We're playing pretty standard stuff. Ringo, yes. he was he was setting a bar. Then Ringo Lozier, who would you like as the wild card? Me, I'm putting up Danielle Ham as a wild card. Yeah, yeah, I'm I think going it has there to as be. well. Yeah. Okay. Because her and Bowie together, it's that that's gonna you get be a pretty good a magical like. Okay, absolutely. This is the picture we have, and if you'll allow me. I already have an idea for the circumstances with which these artists came together. So we've got David Bowie, John Mayer, Dan Auerbach, Este Heim. Is it Heim or Haim, Dan? Haim. Haim. I think it's Haim, Haim. yeah. Haim. Oh, I was saying Haim. Patrick Carney and Danielle Haim. Okay. Sorry, it is is Haim. Sorry. Haim. (laughs) Okay. 
It's 2016. David Bowie has passed away at the start of the year. He's released his final masterpiece, Black Star. Haim and John Mayer are both performing at Bonnaroo. They have a little bit of beef because of the Swift Mayer thing, but you know, you know, that's And he's kind of a dick. That's in the past. They're both he's performing a huge at Bonnaroo. They're both huge Bowie fans. The Black Keys are at the festival, but they're not performing. And for the listeners, Haim Haim and Mayer both actually played at Bonnaroo 2016. Mayer was with Dead & Co. Uh, there's a new technology out mm. that allows for a hologram. Yes, I knew you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. That's so exciting. As soon as you said Bonnaroo, I had it a feeling. It allows for a hologram to <laughs> present an artist from any era in any way they may have appeared in the past. So... Haim, John Mayer, and the members of the Black Keys who are just there mingling and, you know, doing their thing as, uh, as musicians do, they decide they're going to perform an impromptu medley in tribute to Bowie. Love it. Before, but can I add a little bit more context on of the course. stage? The Haim sisters, they were, Haim, sorry, the Haim sisters, they were the ones who were planning all of this with the David Bowie holograph, but it was John Mayer and his massive ego <laughs> who decided, oh, I'm also going to join them on stage to oh. Himes' reluctance. Because oh. of the Swift Mayer beef. Because of the okay. beef. Yeah. And okay. uh, one of the Himes sisters made eye contact with Dan Auerbach and Patrick Kearney on the off, on behind the stage, mm-hmm. and they were like, Come on here to offset so that Break we can the get, ice. Yeah. so we can get, not let J- John Mayer fill do, the whole you know stage what, with the size with of his massive, massive ego. ego. Dan, that's actually that's a great point that they came up with it because they were the only ones in five minutes of research that I could find had an actual reaction publicly to Bowie's death. Ah, they t- they tweeted or put on X as it's now known. Can't believe it. We will forever be inspired by slash love you, Bowie, with a blue love heart emoji and an image of Bowie from his Stardust era. So they are the masterminds. The medley is a hit song from each one of his personas or eras and the hologram changes to match each of those eras. So there's Major Tom singing Space Odyssey. There's Ziggy Stardust singing Starman. There's Aladdin Sane singing Gene Genie. There's Halloween Jack singing Rebel Rebel. The Thin White Duke is singing Fame. And then they finish it off with the Berlin Trilogy era Bowie singing Heroes. And everyone weeps. Balls. (laughs) I got it. I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. goosebumps. And then the, the, the icing on the cake, because they were just a tribute put together... Just for this one medley, they don't actually have a name, but a member of the press pack who is at the gig refers to the tribute in the wake of Bowie's shock death as like light in a black hole. Nope. And that's it. A black star. Like light in wow. a black star. There you go. That's that's our 2010 no, but a, a super. Bla- a, black, a black hole is technically a black star. Black star. Yeah, it's there, an, yeah I think yeah, that's the next There you go. I love that. That was nice. 
Yeah. Hey, well thought out, Tom. Thank you. I just how much mu- how many mushrooms did you take to come up with that one? <laughs> I actually thought of it while I was listening to uh, Blackstar on a walk, and I was just like, man, he has so many different personas. How do you capture his whole career? I was to, to me. I, I honestly thought the song that they should play is Heroes. It's, uh, it's it's yeah. like so pulls on the heart. Like you hear yeah. it, you just want to sing yeah. it. You feel yeah. a little little uh, tear coming down your cheek. It's a beautiful song. It is. It is. Well, there I for go. one, I for one want to say that we just we just finished this amazing series, and I think we just came up with some phenomenal bands. And I'm I'm really excited for the last episode to kind of put it all together because six super we've created six supergroups now. They're awesome. And They're all awesome. So basically, thirty musicians, maybe maybe twenty nine musicians, a lot yeah. of musicians, and we're going to have to whittle that down to five. <sighs> what have we done? To no, ourselves? I think six because we can add well, one wild card. We're going to have to have a wild card. Okay, we're going to have to. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, six. someone's gonna someone's gonna OD on the tour, and you're gonna need a backup. <laughs> that's dark. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's it. That is our final decade supergroup: the 2010s, David Bowie, John Mayer, Dan Auerbach, Estee Heim, Patrick Carney, and Danielle Heim. They are light in a black hole. We are the groovy guys. If you like this. Jump back through the catalogue, listen to the other previous five decades of supergroups. The next episode we bring you will be our ultimate rock supergroup. Make sure you like and subscribe. Send us hate mail as soon as possible. Till next time, keep digging and spinning. It's a fucking banger. The groovy guys are Tom Kennedy, Dan Lozier, Chris Palumbo, and Matt Carvalho. With your host, Tom Kennedy... Music by Dan Lozier, post-production by Matt, and album art by Chris.